0: to our show, Sleepover, Sleepover Cinema. Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach.
1: We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them.
0: We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, Are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2004's Princess
1: Diaries 2, colon, Royal Engagement.
0: (laughs) It's not the Royal
1: Engagement? No, it's not. Uh Oh, that's weird. Yeah, very, very strange. Mia Thermopolis has everything a girl could ever want, except the one thing she's always dreamed of. I'm ready for a romantic fairy tale love. But destiny is going to give her a push in the right direction.
0: Princess Mia is not married in 30 days... What? She forfeits the throne of Genovia to young Lord Devereux. Shut up! Grandma said shut up. Shut up. I am eager to watch this movie, even though in my mind this movie seems like... It almost feels like a reboot in that it feels tonally yeah. really different from the first one. yeah. Like, it feels like much more of, like, a distinctive rom-com almost. Yeah. Or distinguished, not distinctive. Less
1: coming of age, more rom-com. Yes.
0: Which makes sense. Still coming of age. Yes. But also rom-com. Yes. <laughs> um, but I know we're in for a treat today. Audrey, do you feel
1: similarly? Yes, I do. Um, A lot of people think that the second movie is better than the first one. And we're going to have an opinion on that. <laughs> um. I haven't watched them back-to-back this closely, maybe ever. Yeah, same. So it's way more fresh in our minds now. We'll be able to have a more definitive opinion on that. Absolutely. Especially by our current standards. (laughs) (laughs) So, Audrey, would you like to give us the facts? Sure. Okay, so... Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement premiered on August 11th, 2004 in theaters, and it was released by Disney. It was directed by Gary Marshall, rest in peace legend. (laughs) Some of his most well-known films that he directed are Never Been Kissed, A League of Their Own, and Pretty Woman.
0: Yeah, so Gary Marshall also directed the first Princess Diaries movie, and he is known for having this really good relationship with Anne Hathaway, and she really pays very wholesome tribute to him as often as she is granted the opportunity to. Yeah, and that's always good.
1: Yeah, and this movie's um, writer situation is a pleasant surprise, I think. Um, so the screenplay was written by Shonda Rhimes and Gina Wenkos. Um, Gina is the same woman who wrote the first movie.
0: So the first Princess Diaries movie had Meg Cabot listed as the story creator, basically, for the first movie because she wrote the Princess Diaries book series. And even though the first movie veered pretty heavily from the original details of the first book, obviously she still came up with the idea and therefore... Rightfully has a position on the writing team of the first movie. But for the second one, they said, We're going to take your characters and we're going to hire someone else to write the story. And you would think that that would cause problems or create some beef. But Audrey, (laughs) uh, the uh, Meg Cabot blog historian. Yes. The the Meg Cabot blog historian is here to uh, give us a little taste of what Miss Cabot was thinking (laughs) during the time of the development of the second movie.
1: Okay, so I'm about to play Meg here. Please do. (laughs) Another thing people kept asking me about was the Princess Diaries movie. Will there be a sequel? Well, while I was in Los Angeles, I met with the producer of the movie The Princess Diaries and found out a ton of stuff about the sequel. It's going to be in theaters in summer 2004. The movie's sequel isn't going to be based on any of the books in the series, though. It's going to be a whole new story made up just for the big screen. And no, I'm not mad about that. I really liked the first movie and expect to love the sequel just as much. Also, they still have to pay me, even though I didn't <laughs> write the story. So it's a win win situation. Julie Andrews, Anne Hathaway, Hector Elizondo, Heather Matarazzo, and many members of the original cast will be coming back for the sequel, which will be directed by Gary Marshall. Here's a quote from Mr. Marshall himself on what we can expect to see. It takes place in Genovia. Mia's going back to be the princess and eventually run the country, and we have a moment where all the princesses from all the countries come together to see if they can do something about the state <laughs> of the world. That's literally like one scene. <laughs> it's like the least significant scene. It's like the
0: weird musical moment. He probably
1: didn't want to tell her that it's really about Mia needing to find a husband in 30 yeah, days. because that's actually what it's about. <laughs> that's what it's about. Weird. So, yeah. Interesting. That, choice,
0: Gary Marshall. That's what
1: they told her prior to actually seeing it. I feel like she wouldn't even have been against no. what the conceit actually was.
0: No. That's weird.
1: Yeah, that's it's interesting. Maybe they, they didn't fully know yet. I yeah, don't know. maybe. But as I was saying, the screenplay was written by Shonda Rhimes and Gina Wenkos. Um Gina is known for the First Princess Diaries, Coyote Ugly, <laughs> and The Perfect Man. Why? I had to look into Coyote Ugly. <laughs> Does it make sense? Hold on. This movie seems so absolutely insane, <laughs> okay. but so good. Okay. It has Tyra Banks in it. Okay. And it's about <laughs> this, um, like, dive bar in New York <laughs> where all the bartenders are, like, really crazy. They're, like, all women, and they're all, like— Really like wild, uh-huh. and they they teach the newcomer who's like shy or whatever about how to be like an insane bartender. <laughs> Wait, this
0: bar? Do they say it's set in the East Village? I think it is. It because seems I'm like pretty it is. Sure that the that bar. The reason why this is familiar to me is yeah. because it was right by where we live Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was I think like it exists. It was like um, on probably like second and ninth, or like first uh-huh. and ninth. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. Maybe we need to watch that movie. Yeah, it, I watched the trailer and it was it was wild. Who else is in it?
1: I think I might have seen Minnie Driver for a second. <laughs> Perfect. It's the the one of the older sisters from Cheaper by the Dozen plays <laughs> the main girl. <laughs> no. And
0: we have such a robust
1: uh, <laughs> filmography to pull from. I think that was her. But not Hillary Duff. Obviously. No, she would not partake in this in this film. And okay, then, anyway. And then we have Shonda, who everybody knows, uh, wrote Scandal, Grey's Anatomy, and Crossroads. We should also
0: watch Crossroads. Yeah, we should. That movie's so weird. I haven't seen it's it. It's so good. It's really good, but it's very strange. We should watch that one, too. Yeah. Okay, what other facts do we have here?
1: So the budget for this movie was $40 million, Uh and <laughs> that's... That's about an average budget, I feel, for a movie of this scale at that time. Okay. Uh, But on domestic opening, no. (laughs) But on, (laughs) let me say that. No. (laughs) (laughs) But but on opening weekend, domestically, it only made 22 million. Kind of a flop ish. It's not the worst ever, but it's not great. Um, especially for a sequel to such well-known IP, they probably were expecting IP being intellectual property. Yeah. They probably were expecting a bigger outcome. Yeah. Uh, but worldwide, it made 134 million, um, and that's the overall over time. Oh wow! Yeah. So okay. They're fine. They are absolutely fine. But you know, they uh, they really try to do better than that on an opening
0: weekend. Right. So. Taking a moment with Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score for this movie was 26%, <laughs> which is abysmal. And the critic opinion that Audrey selected for us to read is, Anne Hathaway and Julie Andrews bring charm and elegance to the movie, but there's not enough material for them to work with in this sequel. I guess for both of them, there's not that much for them to work with. I mean, they're far better than the material yeah. as far as what they can do, but that's not the point. Like, I, Yeah. They ba- I feel like Julie Andrews has... I feel like Julie Andrews doesn't really do anything in this movie, but that's because they, like, make it not about her at all. She does get
1: on the track with Raven, though.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) The fact that Raven is even in this movie is so annoying to me, but whatever. Um, Audience score was 59%, which this is, like, a pretty pretty brutal but representative example of how these critic versus audience scores tend to pan out. And so for those of you who do not remember, the plot synopsis of this movie, uh, Audrey, did you write this or did you find no, this? No, I didn't write this. Okay. <laughs> this is the plot synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. From Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. (laughs) American teenager Mia Thermopolis is still reeling over the news that she is a princess within the royal family of Genovia, a little-known European nation with a population of barely 50,000. That's a lot of detail. As promised, (laughs) Mia, along with her best friend Lily, travels to Genovia after their high school graduation. That is some that's some creative license. The unlikely yeah. princess has hardly settled into the castle, let alone begun representing the country, when she learns that a larger title is approaching more rapidly than expected. <laughs> Why is this so long? I don't it know. seems as though Mia will have to take over as queen. Suddenly, in addition to further schooling on the etiquette of royalty, Mia finds herself with a daunting prospect. According to Genovian <laughs> law, all princesses must be married before they can be crowned. Did you just take like the first paragraph of the whole ass synopsis? No. <laughs> okay. The actual synopsis is she's in Genovia. She's like 5 years older and they're like you have to get married to be queen because you're going to be queen soon. That's it. And you have 30 days. Right. And the 30 days is like a concession because they don't even want to give her the 30 days.
1: Yeah, they're 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 being rude. <laughs> they're rude. Genovian um, parliament is being rude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, Audrey, give us these taglines. All right.
1: We're going to hit you with three tagline options. Number one.
0: Oh, this is so bad.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> to get the kingdom of Genovia, there's just a little hitch. <laughs> <laughs> to get the kingdom? Yeah, it's not like she's trying to, like, dominate or something. Weird.
0: Two. This one's my favorite. <laughs> she needs the rock to rule. Well, that's also like a sequel to the first one, too, because it's yeah. like she rocks, she rules. Yeah, she rocks, she rules. It's like, it's kind of perfect. She needs the rock to rule is definitely the best. Yeah. Out of here. This the next one is horrible. The next one is probably from
1: like the DVD cover. Yeah. It can take a lifetime to find true love. She's got
0: 30 days. <laughs> horrible. She needs a rock to rule is that, definitely the winner. That's the
1: winner. Um, we could probably go through the cast really
0: quickly because we really only need to talk about one person here.
1: Two people because I
0: forgot to put Raven on this list. Oh, okay, okay. So with this cast, we have a lot of returning champs. We have Anne Hathaway as Mia. We have Julie Andrews as the Queen. We have Heather Matarazzo as her BFF, Lily. And we have Hector Elizondo back as Joe, the security yes. person, and also like love Julie's interest. lover for some reason. <laughs> but uh, very importantly, mm-hmm. most importantly, we have baby Chris Pine in this movie as Anne's love interest, as her as the main love interest. Yeah, we hate to love Chris Pine. Mm, I hate. To I love don't Chris even Pine. hate
1: to because look at his uh, look at his filmography. Look at what he's known for. (laughs) Look at the choices that he has made when he could have made the most, like, douchebag choices about his career. Okay,
0: expand upon this take.
1: Uh, Like, he could have been, uh, who's, like, a good example? He could have been, like, Ben Affleck or something. Okay. You know, just this kind of, like, distasteful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, a lot of girls and women like them on screen, like Ben Affleck. I don't know why, though. Like, why? For I what reason? I don't
0: know. But um,
1: anyway, he's most well-known for the Star Trek movies and Wonder Woman. Yes. And in my opinion, this movie also.
0: Yes. <laughs> um,
1: yes. And I just feel like he's a really good person. I feel like he's a good person. I've watched a lot of interviews. He is a cutie. And
0: um, he pulls off Really aggressive callers really well in Wonder Woman, and I appreciate yeah. that.
1: Yeah, and I, I just feel like he's there for his female co-stars. Like, I feel like he's not are projecting terrible. a lot onto Chris
0: Pine, but well, uh, I know, buy
1: it. I've watched a lot of interviews, all right? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I could be wrong. This could age very, very poorly.
0: <laughs> hopefully it doesn't, though. But
1: hopefully it doesn't because Chris Pine is where it's at. In my book. Yeah,
0: he does look like a very problematic figure from my high school <laughs> past, and I think about that every time I see him. Like, if you took James Marston and Chris Pine and smashed yeah. them into one person, it is this person I knew in high school. You need to separate that, though. It's so hard to separate, though, because his face shape is exactly like this guy no, with high school. No, Chris Pine is angelic. All right, Whatever. <laughs> And then
1: our other notable new cast member is Raven Simone. Oh, yeah, Raven Simone is like
0: basically a cameo role in this movie, but uh, she's like an Easter egg almost. She's like an Easter egg of 2004.
1: And I did say Raven Simone. That's the correct pronunciation. Yes, that is the
0: correct pronunciation. Um,
1: It's pretty much in the height of That So Raven fame, this movie came out pretty close
0: to it. Or she was like a very, very hot. Yes.
1: there's channel
0: star. Yeah. Um, like just as bankable as Hillary Duff, probably. Right. Or and like in a, in a slightly different way, because you, obviously, but.
1: Yeah. But they stuck her in this movie and they had her sing with Julie Andrews. Yes. <laughs> and we'll talk about that more yeah, later. Yeah, that's weird. It's like, wick, wick,
0: wick. It's like painful. <laughs> okay. Um, so 2004, what was happening in the tween cultural sector at this time? <laughs> Audrey's just hitting us with <laughs> Shrek 2, Shark Tale, and Series of Unfortunate Events all coming out in that year. That is significant. Yes, it is. Um, we should tell everyone that they should listen or that they should watch the Schaeferless video <laughs> about why Shark Tale is the worst movie yeah. of all time.
1: There's a really, really iconic <laughs> video essay on YouTube called Why Shark Tale is a Cinematic Disaster. I yes, think. it's so and funny. It's so funny. And um, <laughs> it, the channel name is. Shea Productions. We love (laughs) And I really, really strongly recommend you watch it, even if you haven't seen Shark Tale. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like
0: I have no memory of seeing Shark Tale, and I watched this movie and like cried from laughter multiple times. The video you mean? Yes, the video, <laughs> not the film. It could be a film, though, honestly, yeah. the length. Um, so, okay, that was going on with movies. Uh, Ken Jennings was on Jeopardy!, which for some reason was a huge deal. We all knew about. Uh, similar to, like, the Michelle Kwan thing. Like, why did we all know about Michelle Kwan? I don't know. And all of this was, like, pre-social media, too. So it's like, did a news outlet just decide <laughs> that Ken Jennings was going to matter? Well, he held the record. Okay, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Musically, the hottest artists uh, at the time were Blink-182, Green Day, Usher, Alicia Keys, and Sierra. (laughs) Um, Reminds me of the song Like a Boy. I love that song. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And fashionably, Audrey has put it here. uh, Low-rise capris, juicy sweatsuits, and layered hair. Like, too layered. (laughs) Yes. All of this is reminding me of my elementary school best friend, Audrey Sheik's. She was, like, she had an older sister who was very, like, into all the pop culture at the time. And whenever I see stuff from 2004, it kind of reminds me of, like, being at her house and watching My Super Sweet Sixteen and, like, eating Tostitos. (laughs) And she had, like, pink sweatpants and stuff like that. You remember? Yeah. (sighs) What a time. (laughs) All right. Three things we remember from childhood about this movie slash when was the last time we watched it. I think I watched this movie at some point within the last five years, but I don't remember when. What about you? Same.
1: I think roughly the same.
0: Yeah. None
1: of my points for things I remember about this are things we haven't kind of already discussed. except okay. Except for how amazing the closet is. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mia's yeah. new closet. Right. She...
0: Set the standard for fancy closets. Yes. With the remote control. Oh, yeah. That's so exciting. I'm yeah. excited to see that. And there's like really beautiful jewels. There's like a, a yes. shelf of jewels that comes out. Okay. What do I remember about this movie? Oh, there's a part when they're in the garden at some point and there's someone singing, I'm pretty sure in Korean, a Korean version yeah. of Miracles Happen. Yep. And that's like a fun Easter egg. I really enjoy the scene where it's, like, the slideshow of potential suitors yeah. for Mia. And she has, like, really good dress at some point. The wardrobe is really good yeah. in this movie. I'm pretty sure her hair is really good in this movie, too. Yep, it is. Um, And I really don't like the Raven Julie Andrews song it's <laughs> really
1: corny. Oh, my gosh, but mattress surfing. Yeah, but, like...
0: That whole movie or that whole scene is like a set piece. Yeah, it's like
1: it's like the gimmick of the movie. Yeah, but I can't just sit here and be mad at (sighs) Julie Andrews mattress surfing with like a veil on or something. Like this, like flowy
0: cardigan and like grace. Yeah, it's true. It's it's, true. You can't hate on it. It kind of feels like this in my memory. That whole scene feels like watching a gag reel, kind of (laughs) like a weird middle of the movie gag reel. But uh, whatever, this is on Disney Plus, so we're gonna go fire it up. Um, Audrey, do you have any last words before we go watch it? Mm,
1: if you have any pears handy, maybe <laughs> snack on some pears because it is the fruit of Genovia. It is their delicacy. I wish I had one. <laughs> that sounds
0: good. Yeah, I'm it definitely does. gonna have some food during this. I'm hungry. Last time we recorded, there was a huge windstorm and my dinner was popcorn and an apple with some cheese on it. So (laughs) that could have affected our critical viewing of Ice Princess. (laughs) (laughs) That movie was hard to analyze. Yes, it was. (laughs) But this one should be far easier. I feel like we're way more on it today. Yeah. Because it's like 4 p.m. instead of later. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We will be right back.
1: Thanks so much for checking it out.
0: And we're back. I have a lot to say about this movie. Not how I remembered it necessarily. To say the least. <laughs> yeah, to, <laughs> to say, the, say least. the least. We'll hold back on our critical consensus for the time being. Audrey, would you like to yes. share some of the producorial information we uncovered? Yes, there's a few
1: things that I accidentally left out of my notes. <laughs> um, my apologies to specifically Debra Martin-Chase and Whitney Houston, who are the iconic producing duo behind Cinderella that we covered a few episodes ago that has Brandy and Whitney Houston in it they both produced this movie as well which I don't really know what to make of that <laughs> I wonder how they I mean we're we know that they had a relationship with Disney because Disney ended up producing Cinderella for them
0: Yeah um, but, Wait, yeah, kind of interesting. I feel like they were – I know at least Whitney Houston was involved in Princess Diaries as well, right?
1: right? Uh, I don't know.
0: I don't remember. I feel like she was, but maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I don't
1: know. Please fact check me. Um, And then I felt like it was really obvious after we identified that in the opening credits that they're shooting on, on the same backlot as Cinderella – um, because it just looks exactly the same. Like it's different signs. It's the same structures. Like, it's just really obvious. But I like that. I like that famili- familiarity.
0: Yeah, it feels like it's part of the same collection or something.
1: Yeah. And then finally, this is the first movie Chris Pine was in, and potentially... Well, that's what you said. I know, but when you really think
0: about it, it's like, how is that possible? There's, I'm sure he has been in more before this, but this was probably his first real role. It was probably similar to like how the first movie was for Anne Hathaway, you know, like it was her first big role.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm fact checking. Yeah, it. I
0: can see.
1: He had some really small roles on some TV shows.
0: And oh then wow, this. really? Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. Do you have any other factoids before we get right into it? No, I'm just proud of Chris Pine. Me too. Okay. hearts. <laughs> I appreciated. There are only two things on this list for me. <laughs> I have four things, but they're all really minor. <laughs> okay. The first one is that the pink dress that Mia wears during, like, the garden party sequence yeah. is very pretty, very Liesl from Sound of Music reminiscent, and we love that. I also love that there are so many subtle gay people in this movie. <laughs> yeah. they, they're actually not subtle. They're not but subtle. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Like, the gay-coded individuals. Yeah. Um which feels significant for a Disney movie. But I have more to say about that that I will save for a later section. What else did you appreciate this time around? Um,
1: I appreciated the presence of a singular poncho.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And it was like the right colors, too. Yeah, it was It was nice. I liked it. Um, Mia wears a poncho when she's <laughs> sneaking around in the castle.
1: The, the line that Julie Andrews says, Nepotism belongs in the arts, not in plumbing.
0: Yeah, that was good. I don't know why she said it, but I appreciated it. It's just funny. Her delivery was funny.
1: Yeah. Um, it's really funny that
0: there's a Nora Jones song in this movie. We were, like, really tickled by the fact that there's a really, like, overly earnest cover of Love Me Tender by, by Nora, Nora Jones, Jones in this movie. Uh, And also
1: a breakaway Kelly Clarkson moment. Like a really brutal cut of breakaway. (laughs) They like
0: cut out the whole verse.
1: Yeah, really sad cut of it, but I'm glad it's in there.
0: I feel like the verses are just as good as the chorus, if not better, in that song.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then (laughs) my final thing is just the wide range of accents in this movie. You have like every type of accent all in one movie. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Very... Uh, international vibes. It's like vibes. every person chose a different accent. <laughs> like not an exaggeration. Like, like you have like you have like Cockney chimney sweeps, <laughs> random people, and then you have you've got Scottish. You've got British, French, French. Yeah, like all the countries, <laughs> all Which the European does make countries sense. for something for a place that's like fake Monaco. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. okay are we ready to move on to the things that are worse now yeah okay the main thing about this uh movie that's worse now is that the screenplay is absolutely awful yeah like it's really bad we
1: hate to say it because the minds behind it are amazing to me yeah like it was it should have
0: been better than it was yeah (gasps) We'll analyze that a bit more when we get to our final uh, segment of today, which is rules of sequels. But um, screenplay was bad. It relies so heavily on gimmicks. Yeah. So, like, the thing that's so annoying about this movie is that there's, like, a really ruthless dependency on running gags that may or may not make any sense Based off whether you've seen the first movie or not. Yeah. And there's a lot that like exist independently of the first movie, but like I just don't think the maids are funny. No, they're not. They're annoying. Like the, one <laughs> of the annoying. running gags is that there's like these really overattentive maids. It kind of feels like what is the genre of movie where there's like slapstick running gags? Like. Monty Python or something? Mm-hmm. Like Yeah, just comedies. Yeah, it just felt weird. Like the tone the whole time yeah, we were w- like, what is this movie? The
1: tone is all over the place because it it's so serious one minute, and then the next they're doing like physical gags. You yeah. Know? It's and weird. It's just really it, it makes it so you can't take the serious moments seriously. Yeah, I which agree. It sucks because I want to. Yes, me too. But I can't. Me too. Okay, the VFX, there's very little VFX in this whole movie, but the ones that they do have, namely at the very beginning... Are terrible. Yeah, they're really bad. It's just her. It's supposed to be her landing in Genovia, and it's a plane and the Genovian airport. But it looks like they took three different like Google images and like yeah, pasted them they're all like slightly
0: out of proportion <laughs> into to the other one shot. Um, I had two other things on my parts that are worse now list. Even though there's there's actually more than that, but I accidentally put them into the is it problematic list. Why do they still fuck with Paolo? It's just purely continuation of a gimmick. It's so
1: annoying. There's no 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 reason. Like
0: the makeover guy from the first movie is the reason why everything fell apart. Why do they have him come back? Yeah. And and they also have the Baron and Right, the, barely.
1: In in it and it's like these characters from the first movie that mattered in the first movie, but they
0: don't matter in the second movie. Yes. Also, I find Raven's presence in this movie to be incredibly distracting because she was, like, one of the hottest stars of the time, but, like, there's no actual reason for her to be there. No,
1: I think it was purely um, a box office thing, you know. If if kids saw her in the trailer or whatever, they people who maybe didn't see the first movie would be like, I want to see it. Yeah, but she's, like, barely even in it. But she's in the trailer, I'm positive.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's all that, that matters. But I feel like even that makes it so weird. Like, it points out how much... Things had changed since the first one. I feel like that had to maybe be part of the reason why it didn't do so well in the box office because it, like, it came out in such a different time. Between 2001 and 2004, I feel like a lot happened. Yeah. Also, and after this, I will hand off the rest of the beef to you. But (laughs) um, the mattress surfing slash musical number scene made me so uncomfortable. (laughs) Uh, I'm just so used to it,
1: I think. It, it's definitely cringy, but... It's so cringy. Like, I'm very, like, used to it.
0: <laughs> I, I thought I was used to it, but then I watched it, and I was like, this is so... As we kept saying throughout the whole thing, well, kind of my main takeaway is, like, this whole movie feels like they were having way, way, way too much fun recording it. Recording it. <laughs> shooting it, and you can, like, tell... That yeah. If that's the case, because it feels like everything is like a weird Easter egg.
1: Yeah. We kept saying that this movie is essentially an extremely high-budget home video.
0: Yeah, that's what it feels because like. Because you
1: can tell they all love each other a lot. Yeah. And and the relationships between the actors are really strong. Like, they have real chemistry. Yeah. But what they're working with is so below their caliber of chemistry. Yeah. Like, wh- and which almost, you know, the critic consensus, I think, makes sense for this movie is, like, Julie Andrews and Anne Hathaway have a lot to offer, but there's not enough material for them to work with.
0: Yeah, and it's also, like, it feels like they're at summer camp. Yeah. like it, Like, there's nothing actually going on. And w- one of the main things for me, that I found super annoying that fell under that category was, why was Lily there? Yeah. Her best friend shows up (laughs) and then does literally nothing.
1: They don't use her. She's just an observer. A very unopinionated
0: observer. Which is crazy because the whole thing with Lily is that she's, like, hyper-opinionated. Yeah. Like, her opinions played such a big role in the first movie. Yeah, And she literally... Because Mia was a bit of a pushover, and Lily told
1: her what to think a lot of the time. Lily
0: is so irrelevant to the plot of this movie. It's honestly unbelievable.
1: And, I mean, we do appreciate her presence because we love Heather Matarazzo. Right. But they also force her to be
0: straight, too. (laughs) Yeah, they have her jump out of the closet, and then it literally (laughs) jump out of the closet. And then at the end, they have her, like, weirdly give her number to this... Like, like town crier type. Novian <laughs> army dude. Yeah. It's like, okay, first of all, she's going to Berkeley for grad school and like, is obviously hugely gay. Why would she be giving her number to a military person, first of all, let alone a man? <laughs> it's just wrong in so many ways. Yeah. We were saying that it felt like she was playing like a caricature of what a straight woman was. Yeah, like, like, whenever. Heather was like making fun
1: of the role she was playing as she was yeah. playing it.
0: And the other thing is that. She basically isn't even playing a role. It's, like, so clear that she's being herself. So then when they, like, weirdly make it about her having a random love interest in the end, it's like, why did you add that in?
1: Yeah. I swear, there is more qualities that are quirky or untraditional that you could give someone other than clumsiness.
0: Yeah, they write in really heavy-handed clumsiness for Mia, which I don't even think was that much of a thing for her. It wasn't
1: played up in the first movie. Like, she wasn't clumsy. She was really nervous and nerdy, you know? She had,
0: like, legit anxiety. (laughs) Yeah, she had,
1: like, anxiety
0: in the first movie. And in
1: this one, she just keeps falling and pushing things over. Yeah, it's so lame. It's like the poorly written version of anxiety. Yeah. You know? Agreed. And just generally, the way she acts in this movie, it doesn't align
0: Yeah, I have that. I want to go back to that when we talk about rules of sequels. Okay, I'm ready now. Okay, cool. So I'll just go through these quickly, and if you want to chime in on them, please do. Okay. Uh, Because I have a lot of things. I guess this is kind of things that are problematic, but it's also just, like, weird-slash-unexplained things that people wouldn't do now. So first of all, like, the weird joke where... Mia is like faking side saddle Mm -hmm. with the wooden leg and this lady in the audience is like no wonder she's so clumsy she's got a wooden (laughs) leg it's like what? she's got that
1: seems like an afterthought
0: doesn't it? yeah totally like this weird joke about the wooden leg and then one of the most noteworthy (laughs) weird parts was when there was this whole sequence of the queen like receiving her peasants and their like issues and their gifts and it's like this montage and the last guy is like this John (laughs) Goodman-esque individual Literally yeah. John Goodman. And, and they're like, his name is Tiny. And, and he's like a big guy, but he's not like like huge. He's just like a slightly larger he's man. He's big boned. Yeah. And the music's like, womp, 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 oh womp, 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 It's like this tuba. And, and his name is Tiny, but he's like big. And I was like, they're like, like, like what? bonjour, Tiny. Yeah. It was so weird. And he, so he's like, weird. And then everyone else had accents. Like The lady before him was like, your majesty, blah, blah, blah. And then Tiny's like, your Majesty, with, like, the most American, American accent of all time. And then he, like, releases his chicken and it, like, causes problems. It's like, who wrote this? Like, why is this in here? And then back to the gays in this movie, and maybe I'll edit this back in with the Lily thing, but, like, I still find it so weird that even in this sequence when they're looking at all the eligible bachelors for Mia that they'll be like, oh, that guy would be eligible, but he's gay. And they're like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, they acknowledge the fact that it's he's gay. It's not negative. It's not uh,
1: at his expense.
0: Yeah. It's, like, it's kind of a joke, but it's not, like, in a mean way. Yeah. It's not mean-spirited at all. No. Everyone's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, like, they literally are, like, right on when they find out that he's gay. And so I just find it weird that they, like, force Lily to be straight at the end, especially because of that. Also, because I feel like in two thousand four, being like gays are cool was like kind of more of a hot take.
1: Yeah. Because, do you remember the Hillary Duff? Um, yeah. Commercial that was uh, promoting anti homophobia. Yeah. What do you even call that? You uh, know, was it was pro gay? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like anti
0: bullying. Yeah,
1: anti bullying. She like walks up to some kids and and they've just been like, "That's so gay," and she goes, <laughs> she goes. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? <laughs> She's like, cut it out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's so great. It feels like that. I don't know what year that's from, but probably around the around same time. Then.
1: Yeah, and but the the thing where they're going through the slideshow, it is sort of at his expense now that I'm thinking about it because Joe says. I bet
0: his boyfriend thinks that, too. But he said that in the way where he was, like, trying to gently let them know that he wasn't eligible. Yeah, like, it
1: could be so much worse. He didn't
0: say it in, like, a, bet his
1: boyfriend
0: thinks that, too. Yeah,
1: yeah, I guess it's just in this kind of neutral ground. I thought
0: it was okay.
1: I think it's okay. Like, but it's, especially for the time. I mean, for a kid's movie, a Disney movie to have that, and it be neutral to positive,
0: yeah, is good. Yeah, but like, yeah, it is. it's not like when they were like he's gay, they weren't like oh yeah, oh. They, they were like they were like yeah, right. and then moved on. Yeah, so I don't know. I thought that was fine, yeah. but um, but the fact that they make Lily straight is not fine. Not in my fine. It's not, not fine. okay. Just like the best friend and ice princess. <laughs> right? Why won't they just let the gays be gay let and also them be gay? Going all the way back to our first episode with um. Oh, what's her name? What's Lola's friend's name? Oh yeah, Alison Pill's the actress. Alison Pill. Um that character is gay. Yeah, that character is gay. Okay. This was in Confessions of a Teenage Drama. Queen. Yeah. We're moving very quickly. Okay. Um also Chris Pine is kind of creepy in this movie. Yeah, he's
1: He's really creepy, and then you you like him at the end, but he doesn't earn it very much. It's not
0: very earned. No. <laughs> but he's just so likable, it's hard to not yeah. just, like, buy into it. Yeah. Um, this doesn't fall into problematic, but falls into why, which is when they ha- finally have the scene where Mia and uh, Nicholas are, like, bonding and alone. The fact that they're thumb wrestling and exchanging secrets is, like, <laughs> it's, like, accurate, but it's also so painful.
1: Yeah. For, again, I think that's a tone issue. yeah. Like, if, if they had not been messing with us so thoroughly throughout yeah. the entire movie, being like, don't take this seriously, take this seriously, you know? Yeah. Then I could have <sighs> been really here for that. Because that can work if you are writing it correctly all the yes. way through, like, consistently. Right. But it was just
0: very weird. Yeah. Um, and then my last two qualms, this is not problematic, but it has to do with um the royal bloodline. at the end so the whole point of this movie is that mia is trying to like be accommodating to genovian law and then at the end it just first of all they like never talk about genovia in this movie Mm -mm. so at the very end when uh chris pine is like mia has a vision for genovia i'm like what what, is that what's the vision (laughs) we never talk about genovia the
1: only thing that Alludes to her having a vision is what she did the stunt she pulled with the orphans at the parade. Right.
0: Like she wants to have the orphans to the castle for a party. It's like that's not actually Her vision is having a sleepover with little girl. But that wasn't even a sleepover with the orphans. That was a sleepover yeah, with, with, with her the fellow pi- princesses. Princesses of different nations. Uh, all seem to be remarkably American. Yeah, they're all (laughs) extremely American. You know what we're not even thinking of? What? You know that all the girls in that scene have to be the daughters and granddaughters of the crew. Some of them, definitely.
1: I mean, that's just a lot of girls,
0: but, like, probably there was a few. Well, we have to look it up after this because there has to be a reason why those girls were there. Because it wasn't like they were all, like, acting. They were kind of just sitting there slash having I think fun on camera. I'm sure it's
1: a mixture. Maybe. Yeah. I don't
0: know. I think we should Because a lot of them look really casted to me. You think so? Yeah.
1: I guess. I think it's Probably, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and then on top of all of that, my next question is, why does Mia love Genovia? Because she never talks about it. And then mm-hmm. the whole thing. Okay, so in the beginning, or in the first movie, Queen Clarice is like, I'm not royal by blood. Yeah, but you could rule. Yeah, is what she says to me. But then in the second movie, Queen Clarisse seems to be ruling. She
1: is ruling. She's ruling. I think it's just some sort of Genovian exception. Like <laughs> I don't whole, know. I just have many questions about the way that the uh, bloodline is and functioning. It's also weird because they're basically saying that Queen Clarisse is retiring, and that. <laughs> That's, like, <laughs> literally not how it and works. And that Mia will become queen when she's retired. Like
0: the queen of England is, like, old you're as shit. You're queen until you're dead. Right. Then you're not queen. Well, maybe what it was is that Clarice was, like, holding the spot until Right, because no, nobody was able to take because over. Because his brother abdicated to the church, as we remember. Right.
1: Okay, so, yeah, I think that is it. I think it's, like, a special
0: situation. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, though. That doesn't make any sense because you really. So, they really mean to tell us that there isn't a single eligible male heir to that throne? No, there is not. (laughs) Other than Nicholas. But, Nicholas, how old is Nicholas? Because if the whole point is turning 21, need to know how old he is. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's a can of worms there's no answer to. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Okay, so is this movie still good? I would like to propose that we evaluate this movie based off the Schaeferless Productions rules of sequels of what makes a good sequel. So these are the rules. One, a good sequel must expand the universe, it must continue the plot, it must expand upon themes from the first one and introduce new themes, and it also must leave an impact on the universe in a positive way. Does it expand the universe?
1: <sighs> yes. It does expand the universe because we are seeing Genovia. I mean, if you want to take that in the most literal
0: sense, it is expanding the universe. It does expand the universe, but it doesn't really retain the existing universe.
1: No, it doesn't retain it at all. There is no feeling of continuation of San Francisco or anything that she might have brought from then. Yeah, 100%, including her
0: personality.
1: Yeah, she did not bring her personality. It's not consistent. Like she she apparently lost her personality in college. <laughs> yeah, she's
0: like not funny anymore. Yeah,
1: she's not funny and she's not like that. personable.
0: She's not like she's not relatable. She's not skeptical at all.
1: Yeah, which which was what made her fun in that the first like, movie. Yeah, her skepticism is like the point. Right. And that she like is so actively resisting the lifestyle that is being thrust upon her. Yeah. Which is what makes her uh, her arc earned by the end is that she's come from this place of being like, no, no,
0: no, no, no. I'm waiting
1: for normal body parts to arrive. I can't be a princess. And then by the end, she's like, I understand like the importance of this and and that I need to think of people other than myself. Maybe I could help people.
0: Right. And And, that's where we're left. Yeah. And then in this one, so the next rule is continue the story. First of all, there's a five-year age (laughs) gap in between the first and age gap. A five-year time gap in between the first and the second, which I feel like they downplay for some reason, even though it's, Mm -hmm. like, important.
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, in the most, again, in the most literal sense, it is a continuation of the story. But because the time gap is there, it's making an excuse – for all the
0: inconsistencies. Right. They're like, she can be super different because there's been five years you yeah. haven't seen. Yeah. Which is... Even then, it's like, okay, but, like, for us to still feel like we know her, there still has to be some trackable similarities. And her her being lazily klutzy is not yeah. enough.
1: And the only trackable qualities we see are, like, gimmicks. They're not... Right. You know, they're not traits being manifested in a different way. Yeah. It's just... Uh, it's just, you know, basically re- repetitions of lines and situations.
0: Yes, agreed. It's like really annoying self referential callbacks. Yeah. Also, this movie, it retains, it's like kind of the same plot in that it's like exposed by the press. Mm-hmm. And then tries to bail out of a major public-facing event. Yeah. And, like, I think that that's okay because it kind of makes sense within the world of the – it's, like, the royal family. Like, that is right. what happens to the royal family. Right. But the timing is, like, kind of exactly the same. And also, um, the th- part of what made the first movie so good was, like, the makeover movie mm-hmm. or, like, the makeover montage part of it. And this one – did not have any sort of makeover, or it it, it did, but it wasn't, like, central to the plot. It didn't need it. It It didn't didn't, need it at all. Right, and it kind of felt like it needed some kind of similar device to make it good, but it just didn't have it.
1: I don't even think it needed a similar device because it's not relevant anymore. Well,
0: to which I say, then is it even worth having a sequel?
1: I'm, like, not really, but they needed the cash grab that ended up
0: not being a cash grab. Um, And then the last two are, uh, well, first of all. And then the next one is expanding on themes and introducing new themes. I do not think any new themes were introduced in this. No new themes that were worthwhile it was like they expanded on the last note of the first movie the whole time
1: yeah which is you know getting to know the country yeah the yeah the duty of being queen or princess learning how to be a princess slash queen um but yeah and and then there's you know i guess the new theme is like about romance, it's kind of
0: like... It's like everyone deserves to find true everyone love. Everyone deserves
1: to find true love, but, like, not
0: everybody can relate to being betrothed. Right, so right, right. it's kind right. Of like, okay. It's, like, kind of an escapist rom-com yeah. because of the royal element. But then at the same time, they're, like, still trying to make it grounded, which it just isn't by nature. Yeah, so just let it, let
1: it not be, just I guess. Just don't make the sequel. Yeah. Here's my... I feel like there could have been a sequel that was tonally consistent to the first one uh, if it
0: wasn't entirely in Genovia. Well, what I was going to say is that I think that they made a mistake by not adapting the second book
1: yeah why wouldn't you just go with the the, books the material is there I mean it's the continuation of the first book (laughs) right it's not like to me it really kind of seems like some Disney executive was like had a really specific angle for the second movie about like (laughs) Like women's rights and like politics, sort of thing. But it's like barely but it's even. It's this there. like surface level girl power thing, yeah. but still very within the confines of princess. Yes, and it's just like this isn't doing anything for us. Right, a little girl seeing this—it's not a reach. It's not something more to aspire to. Right, it's just. uh a slumber party,
0: basically. Right, right, right. I guess really, what the answer to this whole thing could have been is they could have made a TV series off the books mm-hmm. instead of movies.
1: I'm yeah. I don't think that would have been good either. But what if mm, it was like a
0: limited series? Maybe though?
1: that was less of a thing back then. I know, but like now <laughs> it would be good. <laughs> like
0: that wasn't really a thing back then. It but would be so
1: good. Yeah, I mean, I would love
0: a modern take on this. What if they remade this? Who would you cast in it?
1: Well, actually, I'm pretty sure there was some talk of Princess Diaries 3. Oh, yeah. And Hathaway was talking about it. Right. Aren't they doing it? I thought so. Now it's probably kind of up in the air. Or like, you know, I don't know where, where they are in development with it. But yeah, I remember
0: that. Was online. I feel like it would inevitably be her. Like, on one hand, like <laughs> she could be having children, but then on the other hand, she could be like leading the world out of a major crisis or something.
1: Yeah, I I think it falls in the category of reboots for the sake of reboots. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, right. the Lizzie McGuire situation that's going on.
0: Do you know about this? Yes, that they were gonna reboot it, and then. It, Hillary Duff demanded that it be like mature and Disney realistic. And Disney refused. And yeah, and Disney won't,
1: wouldn't let her see it through the way that she wanted. And uh, so it's up in the air. It's back in development now. Like they literally started shooting. I know. I remember. And um, I I feel like, you know, probably a lot of the executives that are in charge of these reboots want to see like a Ravens home, right. Because it's still for kids, but it's playing on the same characters. But a lot of the actresses are not going to want to do that.
0: Yeah, because why would you?
1: And uh, it would actually be so weird and interesting if we got a Lizzie McGuire show that is for adults, that is for us, like our demographic, because we grew up with her. Right. Like... I don't really see it happening, but I hope
0: that it does. I feel like the sad truth is, Lizzie McGuire is doomed to grow up to be a boring, person. boring person. Like, let, like, okay, if we're excluding so all the, true. if we're if we're excluding all the weird fantastical events of the movie, yeah, like, like there's nothing about Hillary she's just Duff gonna as grow Lizzie up McGuire. and like become an MLM vendor. Like, I just can't imagine. I don't know what that is—a multi-level marketing. Better. Oh, right. I just can't imagine her being that interesting of an adult. What does she even do in the show? Other than she's like just in
1: school, and she's just like a
0: kid, right? Yeah, she's just a kid. And that's what—that is helpful for kids. Like I think that right, we like those is good shows for kids. We don't like the extraordinary talent shows, really. Yeah. But like, but when it comes to. Adulthood, uh like what is like? Did Lizzie go through some trauma? Like, what are we about to see? Right, like, what are we checking in on? Yeah,
1: <laughs> like,
0: what if she did? That would be great. I, I,
1: Not
0: yeah, great, like, but you know, what I I'm don't saying.
1: particularly long to see traumatized Lizzie, traumatized Lizzie McGuire, or Hilary Duff. Like, I would rather watch somebody else.
0: I would rather just watch a different show. Yeah, like, oh, what? Yeah, like, why do we even need that?
1: But the culture is so about the unnecessary reboot right it's because now.
0: Because all the locals want.
1: It's because yeah, and it's because um, everyone's scared that
0: they're getting there's old. There's
1: such a heavy saturation. Well,
0: we are cashing in on those people reboots. though. We're cashing in on the people that love reboots right now. That's
1: fine though, because we are picking apart our past. You know, we're not trying to like, <laughs> we're not trying to like reconstruct some like, uh, like derivative thing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's fun to talk about this stuff, but, like— But, like, we're not trying to get them to be, like, remake it. Yeah, like, I don't want to remake because it will inevitably be a letdown. It will be a disappointment. Nothing from your childhood that you're nostalgic about will ever live up to its previous greatness today. Yes, agreed. And that's a fact.
0: (sighs) <laughs> and this is why you tune into this show for discourse about reboots. But I mean, I'm sure I'm sure if you're listening to this show, you probably do have opinions on reboots. So yeah. um, maybe you should <laughs> let, let us, us know. Let us know. Um, you can send us a DM on Instagram at two pink pictures or on Twitter at two pink pictures. Or maybe even at 2pinkpictures at gmail.com if you're feeling really official. Long form email. Yeah. um, <laughs> We have some exciting episodes coming to you soon. We're shaking our, up the format. Our versus episodes are still coming. And we hope that you enjoyed watching this movie even though it was bad. <laughs> and we and will. if you want to fight us on it, I welcome it. Yeah, please fight us on it. <laughs> like, please make the opposite argument because yeah. like, I don't want to not like these movies. Me either. Even though when we don't like them, there is a lot more to say. Yeah, it's true. So that's good. Um, but okay, I think I think that's all we have for this. Week. I think that's all we got. All right, we will be back very soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
1: Find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com/slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at TupingPictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at pictures and
0: would love to hear from you there. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode of your choice with your friends. And maybe even leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts and is edited and produced by me, Hannah Ray Leach. Special thanks to mixing engineer Sean Rule Hoffman and executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. Our show music is by Josh Perlman Hall.
1: We'll chat again soon. Bye.